Welcome to our weekly and we mean weekly Wednesday night cheer. Lila Nishmas Aram Baruch Ben Yudah Alevi and Lili Basara. Still need a full shalem over there? She might need. You're not sure. Okay. What's the name? Raya Bazilpa. Hmm? Raya Bazilpa. Raya Bazilpa. How much can you pack into a Pasha? Shabbos Mivarchim Chedish Kislev. This week was Chav Marcheshvan, and we spoke about it a little bit last week. Next week we'll talk about Nishchidish Kislev next week. We'll do that. Mivarachim HaChidish, of course, is benches the Chidish, a month which is a very, very miraculous month, a very special month. Special in that you have Yutes Kislev, you have Chanukah, Yud Kislev, a month full of Nisim. You what? Yonatan's birthday, Kizvav Kislev. A beautiful month. A month which bridges in with the next month, as Hanukkah always continues on into the next month. So Hanukkah is always in Kislev and in Tevis. We've spoken several times about Chayyusara. The name not fit, not befitting for the Pasha, of course. As we find also another Pasha with the same reference, the end of Chumash Bereshis, Pasha Vayichi. Chayyusara. The life, what we would like to call the legacy of Sara. So you know, of course, the Shir is not a political forum, and therefore I don't mention any current events that go on unless it's close and it has to do with Israel, only as it has to do, if it would have to do with Shlemus Arat itself. Just to mention, though, that what's going around now is, guys went around today, I think, I got 11 people 11 people to put on tefillin in honor of the 11 people that were killed so the question of course is being kicked around everywhere but I'm not getting involved I can only say one point which is as we might know it. Rabbi Akiva was being tortured to death by the Romans and they were raking the skin off of him. And as it came to the part of his Shalresh, Yamada tells us he called out Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echod and the Talmidim said Rebbe, even now even now when you're being killed, tortured, and he said, this is what I aspired to my entire life. I looked forward to this my entire life to be <coughs> to be able to give my life the name of Hashem. So for a Yid, not to look for it, obviously, not to go out on the street in the middle of a pogrom and scream, Ich Berayid, I'm a Jew. Kill me. Innocently standing wherever it was that he was standing, in a bris, in a shul, in a, whatever it was. And to die because the person wanted to kill a Yid, 
this person becomes a Kaddish. There's been already, unfortunately, several copycat incidents. This is not a political forum this year, and therefore I'm not going to try to incite, incite riots, etc. But you need to know, you need to remember. I think the, this past Shabbos was Mayor Kahana Ziyad Shalom. And by Mayor Kahana's motto was every Jew of the 22. Those days, the 22 was the pistol they used to carry with them. Every Jew of the 22. Um, no, I'm not propagating that. I was asked by several Abanam about this in reference to should they tell their Balabatan to carry guns and shul or not. I'm not... I'm not partial, I'm not against, I'm not anything, I don't have anything to do with this, I will not give, render any kind of opinion on this. There are bigger and smarter people that have to figure out how to deal with this in itself. We definitely need to know, though, it's not a good sign. Or perhaps Fakert. It is a good sign. It is the sign of Mashiach Tzidkenu standing by the precipice, standing by the doorpost. This is where Mashiach Tzidkenu now has no other choice. Although, we know that back in 1938, 35, they also said, when Yemach Hitler rose to power, they also said, what is this? This is it. This makes all the signs of the coming of Mashiach. And it was very interesting, ironically, the last Thursday someone asked me, Rabbi, what would you like to aspire to become? What level, where would you like to reach, achieve in your life? I said I would like to achieve to reach the level of the Yid in Auschwitz marching to the gas chamber singing Ani Mamen. The Madrega that this Jew is on. And many of those were not necessarily Shem Shabbos before. But yet, this is how, this is what they did. And this is definitely something to aspire for, to try, to reach, to achieve, to ascertain. Where a person lives with Mesiris Nefesh. Um, don't take that message wrongly. I'm not saying one needs to try to die from Mesiris Nefesh. It's enough that a Jew lives with Mesiris Nefesh that a Jew follows and does everything they need to do with complete and total devotion and dedication that is sufficient that a person lives such a life Pashat Chayi Sada, as we started before, discusses the life of Sada. The life of Sada. What does it say? She was 127 years old. And this is the life of Sada. She passed away. This is her life. Seriously. She passes away. Elamai, what is the concept of living 
what does one live for? One lives for their children. One lives for their children and one wants their children to grow up the way they want them to be. One wants their children to be what they want them to be. One wants their children to aspire and to live a life that they want them to live. And when a parent sees this, this is their life. And when a child continues the legacy of their parents, this is the living of the parents that live on within them. Sometimes, people look at their very own parents, they don't find that living true example. But they search, and they find, they find either a mashpia, a mentor, a leader, someone that's a, a, type, a level of a shepherd. And they give the person, they teach the person, they educate the person, they direct the person, and the person takes proper directive from them, and goes only in derech not chasashalom, straying, kichut This is living on a person's legacy, because a parent wants the child to do the right thing. Not unfortunately, not every parent has the potential, the koyach, the, the knowledge how to do it right. But when they see the child doing what they really wanted them to do, in the book, The Making of a Surgeon, which I've quoted too many times, the fellow is learning, he's standing observing a surgery. He's assisting, and the surgeon asks for a scalpel, and he hands him a scalpel. And he grabs the scalpel and throws it on the floor and says, give me what I need, not what I asked for. Oftentimes, a parent gives a certain message of vibration which is not necessarily what they want to give off or what they're meant to give off. However, we need to filter and we look through it and we say, what does Das Terra say? How does Das Terra work with this? And thereby, if a person devotes and dedicates their lives to Das Terra, then one accomplishes their parents' true will. The first Shidduch the first Jewish wedding takes place in this week's Pasha. First Jewish wedding between Yitzchak and Rivka. The first major shiliach is in this week's parsha. Eliezer. A shiliach with a devotion and a dedication that's unsurpassed. A shiliach who's being really A shliach that was sent on a shlichus to find a wife, a suitable match for Yitzchok. For those that are not aware, Eliezer had a daughter. And Eliezer very much wanted Yitzchak for his son-in-law. He wanted Avram Avinu for Amachotun. 
And Avram rejected him. Common practice in today's society, and we find it very often times, it's very interesting that some people, no, I can't do a shidduch with that family, we're too close. We're too close. And I'm concerned what might happen between us. Sometimes mechutanim have sharp words. So they don't do a shidduch. And the children better stay single. This is a Shabbos. We've spoken many times as well that everyone emerges on Hebron. Chayasar is a very big Shabbos in the, in the city of Hebron. Where everybody goes to Hebron near Akedish and they it becomes a Shabbos. It's almost Pachoja to Rosh Hashanah and Uman. I don't know. But similar. The first Shidduch. The Ove Ayayim Oyin. I will come today. So Eliezer, although he has a daughter which he felt was suitable for Yitzchak, and is rejected by Avram, doesn't tell Avram, you're not taking my daughter, my child's not good enough for you, gave Fyfen, gave Fyfen, I'm not, I'm not going to find you somebody else, you slap me in the face like this, you want me to go find somebody else for you, it's audacity, Or he could have convinced him and said, Hey, try it. Give me a chance. Give me a break. The truth is, though, I'll be Kabbalah. There's an Indian, Odlin and Evid, a master and a slave. And according to Kabbalah, Odlin is considered Baruch. Avram was referred to as Baruch, blessed, and an Evid is considered Arur, cursed. And he said, we can't mix, we don't mesh. So unfortunately, he would not do a Shidduch with him. So again, Eliezer goes now with full heart. No, well, questions asked, obviously. And he goes to find the match for Yitzhak. And he goes out to Aram Narayim. And he finds Rivka. And he talks to Basul and to Lovan about his Shlichus. And he says to them, The Ovei may arrive today. Rashi asks, Not always, you see, it's very interesting that not always Rashi asks the question. Oftentimes Rashi just gives the explanation. And we need to figure out the question ourselves. So here it's not much of a question of what the question was. Rashi explains when he says, I came to, I arrived today, he means to say, I left my city today and I arrived in this city today. Yeah, I got it. My son in New Zealand, the Catholic, he has no problem doing that. Or even anywhere in Europe, basically. You leave Europe, you come here the same day. But this is a little different of a type of distance, and he was not flying. But actually he did. The land, the land flew. Koftzulei, he had Kvitzes Haderech. Akash Baruch does not perform miracles for naught. Unless there's something of importance, of relevance, Kashbarakha doesn't perform a miracle. So why hear this miracle? Why did he have to have Kvit Another point, why did Eliezer have to say it? Okay, you had it. You have to tell everybody. The expression in Yiddish is 
nicht alles auf dem Mund, auf seine Funktion, weil everything in your lung has to be in your tongue. You don't have to repeat everything. So you had a Quinzadach. I just experienced a miracle. You have to look around with a sign? You did. You did. The message tells us that the Pasuk in reference to Rivka, Imenu, is the Pasuk in Shirashinim Kishishana Ben Achichim. Like the, the rose amongst the thorns. She was a, a, a rose. She was pure. She was righteous. But unfortunately, she was surrounded by thorns. Two wicked, wicked Rishayim. Besuel and Lovan. And it's not so simple when you're growing up between such thorns to remain smelling a rose. When you're growing up in such a situation, in such an environment, to remain smelling beautiful, to remain perfect, to remain undaunted, untainted. And... Even if a person goes to school, a boy, a girl goes to a school, their environment, their surroundings that they're exposed to affects them. <laughs> Another silly joke which we would tell, but now that it's on video this year, if you get the video, you see what the, sh- what the joke is. I guess on audio you don't get it. Two Israeli fellows met one was working in the Navy and one was working in the agriculture, the fields. And they hadn't seen each other in 25 years. And the one working on the ship was walking side by side, even on regular ground. He got, got used to, unfortunately, walking, swaying back and forth. And the other fellow sees him and says, Oi, Moshe, I see that you were affected by the uh, job that you had. You sway back and forth when you walk. So tell me, Chaim, working out in the fields didn't have any effect on you? And he goes, So if you ever were in Israel and you'll see the, ag- the way they spray the water, the water sprays and goes, Yeah, okay. Joke explained, killed. Um, bottom line one gets influenced by the surroundings and therefore Sheshana ben for Rivka Imenu growing up in the house of Lovon Arami Besul Arami they were both false liars, cheats, thieves whatever adjectives you can give them in a negative vein and here she grew up the perfect beautiful rose so much so when Eliezer comes he wants to see how much of a Yiddish what kind of Jewish mother she is or would be she says to her, I'm extremely thirsty. You have a jug of water. Would you please? And she says, surely. And it says that she, he opened his mouth and she poured in the water. And then when he finished his full, there was leftover water. It's leftover water. Naturally, one would spill that out. The Yiddish Imamah takes the leftover water and finds something to do with it. And she gave it to the camels, it says. <laughs> oh man, all the old grandma's tales. They used to say in the Haim, a Yiddish Imamah gets fat from Averis. Let's try to, a Yiddish mother gets fat from sins because when she's cleaning off the table, 
and this one has something left over on a plate, and this one, so instead of just throwing it out, she says, ah, it's an Aveda to throw it out, and they eat it instead. No, I can't. And they eat it instead. So therefore they get fat from the Avedas. They've already eaten their food. But they managed to eat something else. Rivka Imenu was not influenced whatsoever by her surroundings. The only thing is though, that when there are thorns around a, a a rose, the rose needs to be watered. Nobody's watering the thorns, but they benefit from the watering of the rose. And therefore it's extremely important that we get that poor rose, we pluck it from amongst the thorns. The Zaya tells us, Zaya explains, this is the convincing and conniving ways of the Sitra Akhra to capture within its jurisdiction, to bring it in within its in its web, the very, very high and pure souls. And when a soul is pure, and it has a very high source, it has that many more challenges on the world. Because the Satan goes out and looks to get it to confront all the different clippers that are on today's world. And we know the clippers of today, the clippers of today's generation, Music Music is labeled as music for the soul. And music affects the soul. So much so that there are songs that are referenced as, as songs that could take the Nishama out. Some in a positive vein and some in a negative. Kalis Hanefesh from a song, from a beautiful, beautiful nigun, from a beautiful tune, a bewitching, a bewildering, not bewildering, I'm sorry, a bewitching, an enchanting tune that just engulfs the person and sees, it just grasps every drop of the person's soul and has it soar to the highest heights. This could come from Kedusha, and it could come Rahman al-Latsan from the other side. Nobody's going to tell you that music that comes from the other side is not nice, is not enchanting sometimes, is not captivating. They're very catchy tunes sometimes, or some of them very moving tunes. And the story of the Kamarna Rebbe who took the song of the shepherd boy and turned it into one of the most powerful bakoshes requests. The child, the shepherd boy, was sitting in the field crying out how big the field and the forest, how big the forest is and how far away are his sheep. And if the forest would get smaller, the sheep would come closer. And he heard these words, the lelava, the lelava. Oh, I'm trying to remember which which rebbe it was. It wasn't the kalava? The kalava. Thank you for the peanut gallery. The kalava. I won't be able to talk. I won't be able to talk with that in my mouth. 
Kalav Rebbe. And he took it and he made the word, Golos, Golos, how big are you? Shechina Akdesha, how far are you? The Golos would become smaller, the Shechina Akdesha would become closer. And no, I will not sing it. You're better off. Um, for most part. So the Yisotin has his way. And just like he has this guarantee in the good, he has a guarantee in the bad. And therefore it's not easy to shake this off. Same thing with Basul and Lovon. They knew that Rivka was the source of the blessings in their house. And they did not want her to leave. As long as Rivka was a little girl in Rivka, was in the family, they didn't want to let her, they, it was impossible to take her out. She became a big girl now. She was three. According to Allah, she's allowed to get married. This now gave the opportunity to pull her away from this tumma, from the impurities that were tied within her home. And on this, Avram felt. Avram being the Tzadik Hader, and therefore sent Eliezer to redeem her. And since it was very, very relevant, every second within these thorns was another pain for this Neshama Tehera. Every second amongst these wicked Sitra Akra was more torture to this holy, beautiful Neshama. Therefore, Kaddish Baruch performed the miracle of Kfit Saderech. So Rivka should not have to spend another second there. And he arrives in the house of Besuel and Lovan. And needs to also show them that he's coming as a messenger from Hashem. I mean, honestly, you think they couldn't have stopped him from taking the mouth? taking her with him and he knew that they were going to put up a fight they say afterwards they actually say in our parasha let the girls stay here she'll get engaged now okay and let her stay with us for a few days for a few years whatever it is and he said no I come today and today she goes This cannot stay back another moment. And therefore the miracle of Kvit Sadara Hayim Yatsasi Vayim Basi. We know that Amban tells us Maisa Ovois Simin Labanim. The stories of our forefathers are a sign, a signal for us. From the Shlichas of Eliezer we learn a very, very powerful thing. When the time of the Geula will arrive, it will not hold back for even a millisecond. <laughs> Mashiach will have the miracle of Kvit Saderech so that the Geula will come exactly in its time. May that be today. May that be now. And therefore we cannot fall into despair. We may not fall into a depression.
Just like when it became to by Golos Mitzrayim, Be'etzem Ayyem Azen, this very day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not hold back even for one blink of an eye, then the same is Kimei Tzeschem Eretz Mitzrayim, Adonai Nefloyes, the same when the way we went out of Mitzrayim, we saw miracles, and since we've already finished our Aveda in Golos, the Geula will come upon us immediately. Avraham Zokin Babayam. I don't know the validity behind it, but it sounded good, and I told it anyway. There was a Tkufa's man. There was in history this time actually of Avraham Avinu before. One would sneeze, and that would be the end. Neshama flew out with a sneeze. Which is why we say it's gesund. When a person sneezes, it should be healthy. It should be good. Someone asked, why do we pull the ear? Many people have a custom to pull their ear when they sneeze. So I told once that somebody asked in Yechidus by the Rebbe, he knows you have to pull your ear. Do you have to pull it up? Do you have to pull it down? Do you have to pull the right one or the left one? The Rebbe said, I never saw, written anywhere, if it should go up or down, right or left. I just know it doesn't go across. You don't pull the opposite ear. But apparently, yes, there is an issue in Indian to pull the ear. So there's one of the offices that I go to, and actually, a non-Jewish secretary asked me. I don't know what, what um, quote-unquote exposure she had to Jewish people, Jewish families. Um, but she, uh, she asked me about pulling the ear. Where is it, what, is it, what does it mean? And I, <laughs> I told her, um, in the olden days, one would sneeze and they would die. We need to be reminded sometimes who we are and where we stand. The story of a chassid of the middle Rebbe, second Chabad Rebbe, was a big Talmud Chacham. And a true chassid, a chassid that would say Tikin Chatzais at night, would wake up every night and say Tikin Chatzais, and would sit and learn until the morning, would daven an hour, two, three, whatever it took. One day the chassid came into the Rebbe, Yechidus, said, What's my Aveda? The Rebbe looked up at him and said, Verabalagola, become a wagon driver. Now he obviously was asking, What's my Aveda? My service in Hashem. How do I need to serve Hashem? What do I have to do to serve Hashem? And the Rebbe answered him, Become a wagon driver. He was shocked. He was shocked. He's a man that of stature, a chassid that learned. A wagon driver, stables, horses. Who knows what kind of passengers? He went home. He told his wife. I don't think the Rebbe really means it. I mean, after all, me? Wagon driver? So, 
Sebek Dantalin. Week, two weeks. Month later, wife says to him, Are you a chassid or not? What are you doing? Did I ever told you to become a wagon driver? Understand, please. It wasn't she was wanting for Panasa, that she wanted him to go out and become a wagon driver, which is quite a demeaning job, actually. But did I ever said? Well, they don't even have enough money, he says, to buy a horse and a wagon. So did I ever get So, she said, I'm selling my jewelry. I'll sell my leichter, mm-hmm. my candlesticks, and we'll have money. You'll have money to go. And she did it. She sold everything. And he came down to the stables. And he told the wagon drivers, the union, Nope, I'm ready to become a wagon driver. They thought it was comical. Kaplich. So they taught him. They taught him how to groom the horse. They taught him how to feed the horse. And he purchased the horse and he purchased the wagon. And and he was ready. So the union, shall we call them, was very kind to him. He used to give him the lighter jobs. They gave him the heavy jobs, they gave him the lighter jobs. One day, early morning, after davening, it wasn't early morning anymore because he davened for a few hours, this very wealthy man walks in, looks like a lord of some sort, I need to go. I need to leave right now to Petersburg. Man looks at him. The chassid looks at him and says, "It's two days travel." I know. I'll pay you. I got to warn you, says the chassid. I'm a Jew, devout Jew, and I dive in chakras in the morning, and it takes me a while. So we're not going to be heading out at 6 o'clock in the morning. It could be 8, 9 o'clock till we head out. So the man says, listen, i got to leave town now. Travel for the first day. I'll give you lodging for that night. And worst case scenario, the next morning I'll find somebody else. Excuse me, I'll continue my journey with the second Balagola. No. Chassid had no choice. Spant on the wagon. And the fort. And the Chassid is very distraught. He says, I'm spending the rest of my life looking at the tail of a, of a horse. Is that my Aveda in life? And they traveled the full day. And they arrived in an inn. Couldn't travel at night. Night night travel was impossible. The horses didn't have headlights. And he came to an inn. So the rich man, the guy, tells the Yid, come to the inn. I'll take this room. You'll take the room next door. And in the morning, we'll see what to do. Either I'll get somebody else to drive me the rest of the way, or I'll wait for you. Good. Chassid lies down. Tavis Maiden lies down. And gets up for Chatzes. Comes Chatzes Halayla, midnight. 
he gets up and he starts saying Tikin Chatzais. Now Tikin Chatzais is not a capital Tilim. It's not a chapter of Tilim. It's a lamenting prayer for the t- destruction of the Temple. And it's very emotional. And very powerful. And the person saying Tikin Chatzais, you can't say it without, according to what they told us when we were kids, in case we were ever inspired to do it, is that you can't say, you're not, you don't do Tikin Chatzais correctly unless you cry a half a bucket of tears. So, this Hasidim that did Tikin Chatzais, Pashat cried a half a bucket of tears. No. He sat down to do Tikin Chatzais. And after whatever, it took him an hour, two hours, he took out a Sefer, the Yamada, Sefer Chassidus, and he sat to learn the rest of the night. Came daybreak, and he went to the nearest waters, rivers, whatever it was, and he went to Mikveh, and he sat down to daven, he said after that. And he davened for one hour, hour and a half. He wasn't really in a rush because the guy said he's going to stop and take somebody else anyway. So he finally finished davening like a chassid. He started packing up his stuff and he figured he's going home. All of a sudden, the door opens up and it's his passenger. Totally disheveled. You can see that he slept in his clothes. He didn't change his clothes. He was totally out of his element. And he says to him, Reb Yid, please let me put on your tefillin. He looks at him. Says, My tefillin? He starts to cry and to bawl, to wail. And he falls on his face and he's saying, Forgive me, I am a Jew. I am a Yid. I've strayed. I went off the road. I went off the path. But last night I heard you doing Tikin Chatzais. I heard the crying that you were doing at Tikin Chatzais. I wanted to come take a bat to your head. I said, I'll give him what to cry about. But then, as I heard you, and I heard the sincerity within your voice, I heard it coming from your inner soul, from the depths of your heart. It penetrated my heart. And it started to stir up feelings within me. And it started to tell me, Oi, what have I done? And therefore, I now realized I must put on tefillin. I must become a yid. Again. Lu the Chassid put on tefillin with him, and then they went and said, Come, let's go to the Mitle Rebbe. And they went back to the Mitle Rebbe. And the Mitle Rebbe said, Okay, Chassid, Shikoyach, you finished your Balagola job, you're retired. Go sell the horse and the wagon and buy back your wife's candlesticks. I don't know that. Please don't quote that part of the story. Um, told him that's it. You re- you fulfilled your tough kid. I needed you to do exactly what you did, and you did it. You did it perfectly. And here he is. And for the other fellow that ever wrote a safer kuntis called Pikach Ivrim, opens the eyes of the blind and gave him the path to follow to repentance to Tshuva. So we don't know what our job is. We don't know what our position is. We don't know what our purpose is in the world. When we walk the streets, everyone needs to know 
this is a yid. Chassidim brag and pride themselves to say, when they look at me, they won't say this is a yid, they'll say this is a chassid. I should walk on the street and someone shouldn't know I'm a Lubavitcher. I said once, I sat on a flight from London to Etzisrael, LL flight. And without my hat or kapata, I was sitting there and a vision of Sechassid walks by from Antwerp, I don't remember these things, where they came from geographically. And he looks at me and he says, Anshildikt, Excuse me, are you a Lubavitcher? I say, yes. He says, I got to talk to you. Soon, he says. And a second fellow, and a third fellow, and I think a fourth one even. Each one, there was a Belza Chassid, a Satma Chassid, each one a different Chassid. Each one asked me, are you a Lubavitcher? I said, yes. Each one said, I need to talk to you. Well, Elal has a very, very interesting sound that the planes make as it goes up in the air, as soon as it reaches an altitude. And it's a, like in a choir, in a unison. Click! All the seatbelts go flying open. Fregnish concussions. Don't ask no questions. The seatbelt light went off. Seatbelt light and so the seatbelts go off. And we went to the back, got my hat, my kapata, kartel. After Mincha, each one waited his turn and listened to the fellow's story. But every one of them, whether they lived in Antwerp, in Brussels, in Manchester, wherever they lived in the world, had a personal story with the Rebbe. And they didn't even say with the Labavitcher Rebbe, they said with the Rebbe. I'm a Belzachusid. I'm a Chosid of Bells, but I had a personal story with the Rebbe, meaning the Labavitcher Rebbe. And each one had a personal miracle, literally. Either children were born or Panas, or whatever it might have been. Random people. So we see, therefore, how the Nasi is a Nasi for everyone. So when it says Avram Avinu, Avram Zokin Boba Yomim, we figure that it must be chronologically. He became old. He was advanced in his days. but rather it refers to the extent which Avram experienced his life and the effect that each day had on him. You have old people that don't look it. It doesn't affect them. Look at the person, you're 97 years old, yeah that's one foot. They lost my birth certificate 112 years ago. And then you have the 40-year-old Rahman that walks and moans and groans and oi, oi, Avram was advanced in days. Boba Yomim. Advanced meaning he advanced, he entered and immersed himself in the happenings and the changes of every day of his life. It's inevitable. We experience ups and downs in life. As he did as well. And obviously took a physical toll on him as well. But the fact is, the fact remains, that his days were more affected by him than they affected him. 
And the Zayr actually gives an explanation to mean he lacked none of his days. He utilized every moment, every single day to serve Hashem. And Isaiah tells us that when Avram Avinu left this world, he enclosed himself with his days. Not one of these precious garments did he leave behind. Just like he lived this 175 years of life, he did it 175% in spirituality. It wasn't the day that Avram was not immersed in Kedusha. The story of Purim, the miraculous salvation that happens to the Jews, comes about through Queen Esther. Achashverosh ruled over 127 provinces. And the Medrash says, why did Esther merit this? Esther, a granddaughter of Sarai Menu, who lived 127 years, let her come rule over 127 provinces. What is actually the correlation between Sarah and Esther? It's not a numerical parallel. But we see, though, the life of Sarah and the miracle of Purim have something in common. Rashi interprets the life, the years of the life of Sarah, Chayi Sarah, and he hints a common feature between Sarah and the miracle of Purim. But Rashi wonders. It says she lived 127 years. Why is it necessary to recap the years of the life of Sarah? And then it says Chayi Sarah. And he concludes the phrase, and he says again, the 127 years were all equally good. As we said now before by Avram, no person goes through their entire life unscathed. Having a hiccup somewhere in one of their days in their lives. Sarah did not have that. And so we account to the number of 127 in Megillus Esther. This is to draw attention to Sarah's life. Why we understand the Jews merited the miracle of Purim. During the Persian exile, the Jewish people lived scattered across 127 lands. And of course, each place was unique. Climate, culture, language, character. And inevitably, of course, this is outside of the Torah climate, culture. Unfortunately, Jews adapted to much of their surroundings. But when the decree came to annihilate the Jews, and this reached every single province, no one even dreamt of taking the option of converting, God forbid, or of a banishing, of, of renouncing their religion. Just like Sada, the 127 were equally good, the 127 varieties that were identical, the Yidin all remained steadfast and kept to their religion like the granddaughter of Sada Yemena would. She moved. She didn't sit in one place. She had her experiences. But Baruch Hashem, as a mother of Klal Yisrael, she was able to teach us how we need to adapt, how we need to fill in the gaps, how we need to live the lives, follow the ways, and always remain loyal and faithful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, from this Shabbos, Mehetz Hashem, as the Kines HaShluchim, as the Shluchim will come from all over the world, and we will know what the true Shlichus is of ours, 
and of the two shlichus, and just like the kvit saderach of the shliach and the yezer will be the kvit saderach of the shliach, Mashiach Tzidkenu, and redeem us all from Golis. Shabbat Shalom to all.